But, um, you know, we all have an issue sometimes where we're offended by certain people. It seems like the world that we live in today is a world where everybody seems angry or mad or offended or upset in some way, shape, or fashion. It's easy because people are easily offended by what the government's doing or maybe with employers or somebody in our family group or family circle. You know, there's all these opportunities that we have now to get angry with people. Well, you know, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to numbers and everything. And I was I was doing a little research the other day and I saw that the airline industry, uh, they've always kind of kept track of the number of incidences that takes place each year uh, in the United States on airplanes where they have to call in somebody from the outside to settle the problem or the dispute or whatever. You know, maybe they got to get security out of the airport to come in and, and remove somebody from the plane or or whatever. You know, but whenever they, they have to call somebody in to resolve a, a conflict, the airline industry keeps track of that. And I found that the average pre-COVID, before COVID, was about 147 of those incidences uh, every year. Okay, well, that seems like a lot. I mean, you you know, you go and you get on your plane, you sit in your assigned seat, and, you know, what's the problem? But there are problems sometimes. Uh, Just this year alone, just this year alone, since January 1, uh, this same uh, group that uh, accounts for this in the airline industry says there have been 3,715 incidences where they had to get somebody from the outside uh, of the plane to come in to resolve uh, some kind of a problem or or a dispute or somebody just going crazy. You know, it, it just shows, again, how easily people are offended today and how easy it is for people to be bitter about certain things and be forceful over the way they see things. It's easy, I think, to be offended, though, when somebody, you know, hurts us uh, deeply or, or we've been abused in some way, shape, or form. I think it's easy for everybody <clears throat> to be offended and to hold on to bitterness when you've been abused by somebody. But, you know, if you let that abuse or that bitterness continue to sit in your heart and and foster itself, it, it's going to become something corrosive in your life. It just it just is. Write this one down. It's Hebrews 12. Uh, I'm going to let you take a look at that during the rest of the week here. But Hebrews 12 verses 14 and 15, they tell us this. Make every effort to live in peace without everyone or with everyone. I'm sorry, let me start that over. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble which would defile many. You know, he's, he's talking here about bitterness being a destroyer. And it's interesting how the, the author of Hebrews kind of uses a metaphor of a root system. You know, something that's unseen, something that's underground, 
um, that grows and continues to nourish itself and to, you know, expand and get bigger and bigger and bigger. This root system uh, is kind of this image that Hebrews is painting for us. And he uses that to reference the bitterness that can grow and, and just manifest itself and continue to grow larger and larger and larger inside the human heart. I'm from Maryland originally, and the state tree in Maryland is a white oak. And if you've ever seen the root system on a white oak tree, it's absolutely massive. Uh, so for me, it's a good metaphor, you know, of what happens in the human heart when we let bitterness continue to rest there, we hold on to that bitterness. It's kind of like, you know, what we don't see on the inside, you know, is continuing to develop and continuing to grow and continuing to continuing to hinder us in our walk of faith by holding on to that offense or the bitterness that goes along with it. And then there's sometimes we don't even realize that it's in there growing. I know people that, you know, are, are doing their best to, I, I believe, to walk a Christian life, but they they haven't recognized the bitterness that they have in their own heart. I mean, maybe you've had some of those people in your life, too. You know, you just look at them or you interact with them and you talk with them or whatever, and, and it's like, man, why are you so mad? Why are you so upset? I mean, it's just your whole countenance is... You know, I'm upset and I'm offended and, and I'm just a bitter person. Now, certainly the size of an offense, you know, that, that each that we experience can have a, a relationship with the with the whether or not we hold on to that bitterness. And, I, you know, something really small is certainly easier to let go of. But what happens when a family member abuses you, you know, in some way, whether it's physically or emotionally or or whatever. I mean, it, those are the things that really cut and hurt to the core. And it's hard to to let go of that bitterness that goes along with it. I think in many ways, <clears throat> when we choose to hold on to bitterness, it's kind of like drinking the poison that maybe we wanted, you know, to give to our enemy, you know, to get rid of them. You know, it's like, come on. What are you doing? What are you thinking? You're just poisoning yourself. You're harming yourself with this bitterness that you refuse to let go of. But I can guarantee you one thing, and that is that those invisible roots that are inside the human heart, as bitterness grows, they will always, always be manifested by something visible on the outside. People will see it in your eyes or your You'll hear it in the tone of your voice or in your body language or even in the things that you say. And that bitterness poisons other people. Hebrews 12 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. What's he saying? He's saying that if you let that bitterness take root and then grow from there, if it's just starts to become a part of who you are you're not representing God well you're just holding on to your bitterness and you're not representing him well at all people look at you and experience you and they, they should see Jesus but all they're seeing is this this bitterness part of what 
I think works against us in many ways. But the culture is kind of set up today to encourage people to hold on to their bitterness. Why? Because everybody has a platform. You know, you got something you're bitter over. Well, you know, there's all kinds of people you can share that with on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, Snapchat and TikTok and YouTube and, you know, all the other major, you know, social media platforms. You can get out there and, you know, stand on your platform and, you know, I'm right and you're wrong and, you know, and so and so did this to me or I don't like this and that and, you know, the government this and that, you know, or. It's craziness. Unfortunately, bitterness and love in a human heart cannot coexist. They just don't. You're either bitter or you're a loving Christian person. How can you love somebody that you're bitter against? You know, Scripture even tells us there's a story. I'm not quite sure where it is. I remember reading this, uh, and maybe you'll recognize where it's from. But, but Jesus basically says, you know, if you want to make an offering to God... And you come to the temple and you, you approach the throne of grace there and you, you want to offer something to God and yet you harbor bitterness in your heart. He says, leave your offering there. Go find the person you're bitter against and straighten it all out so that when you come back to God to make an offering, you come back with a clean heart. That's the key. Your heart is not clean when you're harboring bitterness toward other people or, or other situations. And again, bitterness and love for somebody cannot exist together in a human heart. It just doesn't happen. Ephesians 5 tells us, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. He's sharing with us how it is that we can get rid of bitterness in our life. You, you got to own it. You got to ID it. You got to, you know, recognize that it's there and then expose it for what it is. You know, so-and-so offended me and I'm bitter against him. And, you know, is it really worth it? I'm the one that's captive. He's not. You know, I'm the one that's harboring this. He's not. You know, we got to identify what it is that, that causes us to feel those bitter feelings that we have toward other people sometimes. Then we got to realize that, you know, when we're bitter, we're not representing God well. You know, we're not, God didn't call us to be right. I told you that last week. He called us to be loving. He didn't call us to be right. Yes, he expects us to live our lives right. He expects us to promote, you know, justice and honesty and truth. But he doesn't call us to judge people and say, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. He calls us to love them and to share the grace that's undeserved in their life, to share that with them. But again, it's easy to become disenchanted with individuals, especially when, you know, it's a, you know, a family member you're going to see at Thanksgiving. And this person always rubs me wrong because of, you know, the way they feel about this or the things they they do in their life or whatever. You know, it's if if you're going to end up seeing this person or people and and there's bitterness in your heart waiting to get out, you're probably better off not seeing them. Because you're not representing God to them in any way, shape, or form. You're just representing yourself, who is a bitter person and who feels offended and who wants to say, I'm right and you're wrong. I remember years ago there was 
a time where, you know, I really was kind of struggling with uh, certain things in my life and my faith and all. And and I talked to a pastor that I went to seminary with. And, and you know, he told me, he says, you know, maybe what you need to do is kind of take a break. You know, clear your head, clear your mind, and then kind of rethink, you know, this whole scenario and see if you still feel the same way at the end as you did, as you do right now. So I took his advice, and I started rethinking it and tried to look at things with a clear head. And you know what I discovered? I discovered that I was the problem, me. You know, what I was disagreeing over and what I was being offended by and which harbored the bitterness in my heart toward this other individual and for this particular situation, it was something that I should have just let go of. It wasn't worth it. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. And it's hard to do, I know, especially when we've been offended, especially when we look at somebody and you owe me. You know, you've you've been offensive to me. Now you owe me something. Well, who has more reason to be offended by the things that we do other than God? And yet God tells us in his word that when we confess something and when we, you know, ask God to help us to remove something from our heart. Uh, he takes it in places as far as the east is from the west. You know, that's that's a long way. And if God does that for us, people that are so undeserving, how much more will we represent God when we do that for the other people in our life, uh, people that have been offensive to us or people that we are, are bitter against? Remember, it's our job to model the life that Jesus demonstrated here. And also remember that Jesus only turned over the tables once. All of the other days of his walking relationship, his ministry with the Twelve, uh, all of the other time that he spent here, he was loving and sharing and serving other people. Why? Because he chose not to be bitter against them. He chose to help these people. He chose to help those that were struggling with the anxiousness and the anxieties and the bitterness and the offenses in their life. He chose to be helpful toward people that just didn't get it right. I mean, they had it all wrong. Well, how in the world, let's think about this a minute. How in the world... As a Christian who's on this journey, trying to get better and better in my relationship with others and with God, how do I eliminate um, bitterness in my own heart? I'm not talking about justifying it or, you know, how do I just, how do I get rid of it? Well, I think it's the same way that that, uh, we no longer have guilt in our life when God forgives us. God cancels our debt. We sin, he pays the the bill, and cancels any debt that you and I owe. We need to do the same thing with the bitterness that exists in our heart. We need to cancel any sense of a debt that that other person or those people that created this offense, this bitterness in my heart, we need to cancel anything that we might feel that they owe us. They don't owe us anymore. Yeah, they might have been wrong. They might have been right. Who knows? But when I freely choose 
to cancel somebody's debt. There's tremendous power in that. Matthew 18. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, he handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all of that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, what's he saying? The whole, the whole story here is a guy owed a, a debt to his, this master, and he couldn't pay it. And normally back then, you'd be thrown in jail until somebody in the family paid your debt. Well, the man went to the guy that he owed money to, and he says, you know, I'm really sorry. I, I haven't been able to save it. And, you know, can you please forgive me? And the guy was the, the guy that the debt was owed to was filled with compassion for the man and, and forgave the debt, forgave a debt. And then the guy that was forgiven goes goes out, and, and there's somebody that owes him a debt, owes him some money, but a lot less. But he wouldn't give that guy a break because that guy couldn't save it either. He couldn't come up with the money that was due and owed at, a, at the you know specified time. But rather than show that man mercy, he threw him in jail. And when the guy that forgave the first man found out about it, that's what he did. He said, you know, you wicked servant, I showed you mercy and kindness and forgave your debt, and yet somebody comes and owes you a tremendous amount less. And what do you do? You don't show mercy at all after you've been shown tremendous mercy. You see, when we refuse to let it go, it stays and it rests inside of our heart. And like that white oak tree, the root system that's there, the one that we don't see, it grows and it grows and it grows. I want you to remember, Jesus only turned the tables over once, remember? And all the other days he spent in ministry reaching out to people that didn't deserve what he was offering to them. Tough Questions for God is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church, where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live, Sundays at 11.30 a.m., or go on our website at toughquestionsforgod.org. And just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining, and don't forget to like and share. God bless.